If I had a scorecard of all time biggest and most frequently asked questions that I get as a pastor, somewhere near the top has to be this question. How do I know God's will for my life? So this comes from all kinds of different people, church members who, who want to ask, I'm going to make this career move, I don't know if this is God's will. Or a high school student now who asks me, I don't know if I should go to this college or, or this college, I don't want to make the wrong choice, I want to do what God's will is, how do I know? Well, good news, we're going to take on this really tough question this week, that's the good news. Bad news. This is actually a very complicated topic. More than you might superficially think, this is not just an answer to a question type of deal here. There's going to be a lot of thinking. So I'm going to challenge you this week. We're going to think deeply about God's will and human will and then how those things intersect in our lives. And we're going to find a really good answer. So follow along this week and we'll come to a great answer. What is God's will for my life? So let's start with this first. As a parent, did you ever find yourself maybe letting this slip before? Maybe when you were a kid, your parents said it to you, well, I'm the parent here and I'll do whatever I want to do. Yeah, I'll confess that maybe that slipped out of my lips a few times. But you get the point, right? I have absolute power and authority. I'm in charge here. I can do whatever I want. I know that's a limping illustration, but that's sort of where we begin with God. Psalm 115 says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. So where do we start with God's will? Well, God is God. He's in charge. He has absolute power and he's in control. He has absolute might. So God's will then is definite. God's will is absolute. God's will will always happen. Now, if that's something that, that's going to maybe freak you out a little bit and, and make you scared, don't be. Because God describes himself in the Bible as a loving and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. So that's to say that his absolute will is driven by love. Even if bad things might happen in this world that's now imperfect and, and broken by sinfulness, that's not God doing bad, that's God allowing bad because in his loving will, he's going to work it out for your good. More on that later to come. So when we talk about God's will, here's where we start today. God has absolute power, control, and authority. He is God and he always accomplishes his will. But good news, God's will is driven by his love for you. So put your trust in God, the God who is absolute, all-powerful, and trust that his will is going to be driven by love for all creation, especially for you and your life. If God is love, like the Bible says, if God loves all people, then why would some people be condemned and judged to be in hell? Is it God's will to condemn people? Does, does God want that or does God want to forgive people? And, and if he wants to condemn people, what kind of God is that? These are some tough questions. This week we're talking about the will of God and last time we thought about the fact that God has absolute will. It always happens, but it's driven by love for his creation. So what about God's will specifically for us, for people? Where do we start with that? Is God an angry judge? Is he a forgiving, loving God? Or, 
Or is he an aloof God that, that stands back and does nothing? Well, first and foremost, you need to understand something important about God, something a lot of parts of the Bible talk about, and that is what God wants first. So 1 Timothy chapter 2 says that God our Savior wants all people to be saved. 2 Peter 3 says God does not want people to perish. Even in the Old Testament, God says things like this. God says, I do not desire or take pleasure in the death of the wicked. So this is to say that God's primary will, or if you're a Bible smarty pants person, you'd say this is God's antecedent will, is to save people. God initially, his main desire is for you to know Jesus as your Savior and to be saved. But while God is loving and forgiving, let's not forget that God is also holy and righteous and just, and, and he wouldn't be much of a God if he was unholy or unjust. So God does want people to be saved. That's his primary will. But God also says in the Bible things like this, the soul who sins is the one who will die. The wages of sin is death. Or, or Jesus himself says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. The fancy word for this is God's consequent will. So his secondary will is that as he's holding out his arms to all the people in the world, showing his love for them, if they reject that, there's going to be the consequence of his judgment. So what does that mean for, for you and me? Well, I think first of all, let's be thankful. Thankful that God's initial primary will is to save people. He wants people to know, he wants you to know that Jesus is the Savior of the whole world. But on the other hand, maybe it's time for us to think about getting off the couch and stop watching Netflix and let's get out there and tell people this. We need to tell people that God's will is to save them, but if they don't believe that, if they reject that, the consequential will of God is that there will be a judgment. The good news is that God wants to use you to share that message that his will is to save you and all other people in the world. That is his prime will. That is his prime desire and you get to tell people. Do humans have free will? Now there is a question that has generated a lot of confusion and a whole pile of different answers and maybe surprisingly has actually divided a lot of Christians. So it's important for us to think about this. Do humans have free will in their choices? Think about this for a moment. Imagine yourself walking through a cemetery, maybe even a famous one like Arlington National Cemetery. Can, can you picture this? You're walking through row after row after row, hundreds of thousands of grave sites. And maybe you're even passing that tomb of the unknown soldier, that famous tomb. And imagine that all of a sudden this tomb starts quaking and, and shaking and someone just pops out of the gravesite, right out of the tomb and says, Hey, what's up? Uh, by the way, my name is John and I was dead, but now I've decided I want to be alive. Well, that's just ridiculous. I mean, that could absolutely no way, not ever, never happen. Unless, of course, God and his power makes that person alive, which we know he's done before in the past a few times. This is important for us to think about spiritually because that's actually where we all start. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, You were dead 
in your transgressions and sins. This is where we all start out in this world spiritually, spiritually dead. That's why in Romans 8, it says, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to his law, nor can it do so. As spiritually dead people, there's just no way we can, on our own, just pop to life in Christ. Unless, of course, God and his power makes us alive. And you know what? That's actually what Ephesians 2 says. After it says you were dead in your transgressions and sins, it goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. It's God's power that gives us a new life in Jesus to live according to God's will. So this is now true, that there's this duality going on for every believer in the world. You are, at the same time, both saint and sinner. That you have this this inner nature that that wants to oppose God, a will that wants to do what's wrong, and that's a fight. And that's why every day we still do wrong things, as God would say, sins all the time. I'm still a sinner. But I also have a new life in Jesus, and, and the Spirit of God works in my heart to will and to act according to his purpose, the Bible says, to produce fruits of faith. So that's my saint, my new life in Christ as a child of God that is fighting against. And, and maybe you've felt this before in your daily battle, that you want to do what's good and right, but sometimes you struggle to do so, and your sinner-saint natures, this duality is fighting and raging within you. So let me come back to the main question. Do humans have free will? Well, the answer is actually no. When it comes to spiritual matters on our own, left to ourselves, there is no free will because we're bound up in sin. But that's the good news of Jesus, friends. God comes to us. He makes us alive. He makes us his child. He gives us a life in Christ where he works in us to live, to act, according to God's will. And thanks be to Jesus for that new, renewed will in him. How do I know God's will for my life? How do I know what career move to make? How do I know what college to choose? How how do I know if, if I should make this decision to move my family across the country? What is God's will and, and how do I follow that? That's really the question that we've been aiming at this entire week. And so when it comes to these matters, I think there's something important for us to ask first. And that's this question. Is this something that God tells me I should or should not do? So if I'm in the store and I'm thinking about swiping these clothes and and stuffing it into my bag, or if I'm thinking about cheating on my taxes, the answer is no, I shouldn't do that. That's not according to God's will because he tells me, you shall not steal. Or if I'm thinking about helping out someone who's in need or showing loving kindness to my spouse, communicating lovingly, uh, yeah, those are things that I should do because God tells me his will is for me to love others, to help others, etc. So the first thing to ask is, is this a spiritual matter where the Bible would guide me in the choice that I should make, yes or no? But what about things where it's not a spiritual matter, like, how I should spend my money, or again, what career choice should I make, or even how about what color socks I should wear today? What what do I do then? 
Well, understand the things that God gives you to make these kinds of choices where you, where you do have some freedom of will, some freedom of choice. God gives you a heart with feelings and emotions. God gives you a brain with intellect and conscience and, and wisdom and reason. He gives to you friends and family that would give you advice in, in the choices you're making, give you ideas. He gives you prayer to talk to him and, and to ask God for uh, wisdom and guidance in those choices. So as you use all of these things and you make a decision on what to do, you can be confident, yes, that is actually God's will. So when a student comes to me and says, I finally made my choice, I'm going to go to the major university for college next year, I say to them, well, that's great, that, that must be God's will for your life, that's awesome. But you see, even if that student transfers colleges or changes major, majors or, or drops out of college and goes into some kind of trade, that doesn't mean that student went against God's will. It's just that God's will was for them to learn, to progress, to learn more about their desires, their passions, what they are, who they are as a person. And so this is all God's will leading them on in life. Or maybe think about another scenario, like dating. Maybe someone goes through a lot of dating relationships and is breaking up with people and they're thinking, man, was I going against God's will when I was with that person because now we're, we're broken up? No. You used your brain, your intellect, your heart, your emotions, maybe friends and family who gave advice. And as you made a choice and moved forward, you can trust that's God's will who is working through all of these things for you to learn and grow as a person. So how do I know God's will in my life? How do I make a choice? Well, there's a couple steps. You use your brain, your intellect, your knowledge. You think about it, you pray about it, you consult with friends and family. And if you do all of those things and make a choice, then you know that is in fact God's will for your life. You can trust that's what God wants you to do because he gave you the ability to make that choice. And even better, you can trust that it's God's will that he will work that out for your good because he loves you. There are so many times that life simply does not make sense. Why did that happen? Why, why did God let that happen? That's not what I wanted. That, that wasn't my will for this situation. Well, you see, here we have the crossroads. The crossroads and intersection of what I want, what I will, what I think is best versus God's absolute will for my life and for this world. Maybe a good place for us to go back to is to the Garden of Gethsemane, to Jesus himself. Do you know the prayer that he had there? Beautiful prayer. He, he's praying about what he's about to do to die for the world, to, to take away all of our sins, to save us. And he has this prayer to his Heavenly Father and he adds this phrase, so important, not my will, but your will be done. You see, perfect trust in God means perfect trust in His will, in His plan, and in His love for our lives. That's why Jesus Himself taught us in His prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, to say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of being a believer is trusting that God does, in fact, know what's best for our lives and, and that, as the Bible says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, and, and that's His will. 
So perhaps you can picture in your mind like an area rug in your living room. Do you ever look at the bottom of that? And I'm not talking about all the, the dust bunnies that you sweep underneath the, the carpet. You look at the bottom and it's actually kind of ugly. I mean, there's a reason why we put it that side down. There's all these strings and strands that are sticking out all over the place and they're intertwined. And you look at it, you really can't even make out what the actual pattern of that carpet or rug is. But if you're looking from the top down, you can see the design. You see how it all weaves together, how it all fits. You understand the pattern, this beautiful design that the craftsmen put together. This is the way it is with God in our lives. Sometimes our life is like looking at the bottom side of that carpet. It's so confusing and it doesn't seem to make sense. We don't get how it all fits together. But remember that God is in heaven looking down at everything. He, he sees the past. He sees the future. Of course, sees us in the present. And in all that he's doing, he is working and weaving everything in our lives to make this beautiful picture, the story of me, as God is leading me on toward a life and relationship with him. This is maybe a good place for us to wrap up this week about God's will as we return to this main concept what is his ultimate will? To be in a relationship with me and with you. His ultimate will is to have you with him in heaven. And so God is going to work all things in your life, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't get it or it doesn't make sense or it even seems bad, you can trust God's absolute will of love to work and orchestrate all things together according to his good purpose to bring you to that ultimate final goal, the beautiful picture of life everlasting with him. And we can thank God every day. That is his will for my life and yours. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here with Time of Grace. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. And we'd love for this podcast to be a blessing to you in the days to come. So if you could share this podcast, subscribe so that every episode ends up in your feed, or just leave us a review, we would love more and more people to hear this message so that their lives can be surrounded and blessed by the grace of God. Thanks again, and have a wonderful day.